Hello and welcome to this special British and Irish Lions rugby podcast. Um, my name is Matt Southcombe and I'm here joined today by Simon Thomas of Wales Online, Alex Spink of the Mirror and Mike Scully of the Irish Mirror. Um, we're here at Sion Park where the squad has been announced this afternoon. Um, we're in the lobby of the hotel so if you hear any noises in the background, <laughs> I apologise but it just proves that we're authentic. Um, I think we should just jump straight in. Uh, Alex, I'll start with you. What was your sort of general reaction as those names were read out today? I think generally um, I was quite pleased with the squad. You know, um, we, we were expecting a, about 38 names. Um, Warren's ended up going with 41, which will probably um, will probably work better down in New Zealand in terms of training schedules. But it also means that some of the contagious contentious selections are actually incorporated now into yeah. the squad we're going to touch upon in a minute I know some of those who haven't made it but broadly speaking I think if you perma test 15 out of that 41 they're going to have a pretty competitive squad and it's going to be something that the they're going to give the All Blacks a lot to think about Michael how did you see it when the, the names were read out earlier yeah I'd agree with that I'd agree with Alex I think it's going to be a huge endurance test and I think there's a good mix there of experience and also new faces there's, uh, there's players that, are, that have beaten the All Blacks, especially on the Irish side, and uh, and of course England won a few year, beat them a few years ago too. But um, I think if you look down to the, to the list, there's some names we maybe weren't expecting. A couple of names that we were expecting are, have made it, and yeah, I, I think it's a good fit. And Simon, how did you uh, view things earlier on? I'm just glad it's all the way though. We've been writing about potential squads for, for three years now, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, listen. Certainly from Welsh perspective, there's, there's 12 Welshmen on this trip. I mean, we can't really complain about that when we came fifth in the championship, can we? You know, mm. and uh, it's, a de- it's a very decent contingent. Um, more players than I expected, but I think, you know, if you, if you look at it, it's one of the most gruelling places to play rugby in the world. And I guess this means that you won't be asking players to play two games in a week, pretty much. And, you know, barring some injury crisis over there, they'll be able to look after players. But it does obviously mean with so many players in the squad... There were 44, Alex, in 2005. So 44, big, yeah. 44, big bumper squad. It does mean when you get your opportunity or in that tour, you've got to take it because there's a lot of competition for place. I think there's mm. six centres in this squad. You know, it's a, it's a big old party, and uh, but there's a lot of quality in there. And you know, yeah, it makes me feel very lucky to be going out there recovery. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you mentioned it, it's a big, big squad. Alex English um, contingent is the biggest. Given that they are back-to-back Six Nations champions, that kind of was expected. Yeah, I mean, I think when you, you know, when Warren sits down to, to pick the squad, he's going to look at the back-to-back champions. He's going to pick a number of them. Uh, I think more than anything else, his selection has been informed by by two key matches this season: Ireland beating England in Dublin, which which was very significant. It was built up all season to be the big kind of clash of Europe. Mm. Um, and it turned out very emphatically in Ireland's favour. And then, of course, Ireland beating the All Blacks in Chicago um, in the autumn, which, again, in terms of giving belief to this group of players, is going to play massive. So I think on the back of that, we're always going to see a lot of England players we're all, and a lot of Ireland players. And then, obviously, Warren has his, you know, he has his Wales background and he has his Wales players who he's known and trusted through Grand Slams and Lions Tours in the past. So he was always going to dip into that bag as well. So, you know... Across the piece, Scotland are going to be furious. Clearly, only to only get two players out of a out of a squad when they um, beat Wales and Ireland it, it is, you know, 
is very, very brutal on them. But on the other hand, and Warren did make the point, the Lions aren't playing at home, the Lions are playing away from home. And Scotland were murdered at Twickenham Mm. and Glasgow were murdered by Saracens, effectively. And those are the sort of harsh judgments he's had to make on certain players from up there. Do you think that England-Scotland game was a pivotal one in seeing the end of a few Scottish players' chances? Uh, Well, I do. And I, I certainly, when you then ally it with what happened at at Saracens a few weeks later mm. when again they were, they were kind of wiped out yeah. and were just a shadow of themselves I think he's you know he's, he has to make some pretty snap judgments on players because he, he doesn't have that much evidence to look at so I think when you look at those two games yeah, for sure it cost a lot of people mm. um, Overnight and, and this morning there were, there were uh, stories beginning to emerge about players who were set to miss out players who were going to be included for example I suppose the big one was that Jonathan Joseph was set to be excluded and Jamie Roberts was going to be a shock inclusion. As it turned out, Jonathan Joseph is in the squad, Jamie Roberts isn't, which probably a few weeks ago would have been everybody's guess anyway. Yeah. I think it's probably the right call that he's going. I wonder what your view on that was. Yeah, I mean, listen, when all those stories came out, there have been, as Simon and Mick will tell you, we have been inundated with rumours for over the last few weeks. Yeah. We've, we've probably heard two rumours for every player who's been in and out, and there's no question that that when you heard about Jamie coming in, everyone shook the, you know, scratched their head and a little bit and thought, yeah. well, I think possibly his time's gone, especially if he's going to be picking Ben Teo, who's the kind of modern-day form of Jamie Roberts as he was in over the last two Lions tours. For me, the, the big miss is Joe Launchbury. I, I can't understand why he's not in this squad. I haven't heard yet a compelling argument for why he's not in this squad. I'm sure you guys will, will each have a, a player from your respective nations which you're, whom you're bewildered isn't in the squad but certainly for for me Launchbury is the standout omission No he's my bewilderment player across all the nations you know I can't, can't really complain about Welsh omissions there aren't any notable ones really when we look at the season they've had Launchbury I think was man of the match in two Six Nations matches he, he's an outstanding work horse you know always plays to a high standard he'll give you everything on the field developed as a leader as well uh, I find him very very baffling I think he maybe suffered for two performances at the Aviva Stadium um, yeah. that England game yeah. and again, and for Walsh against Leinster um, he didn't play well in either of those games and um, I mean they were they were huge games which brings us back to what we were saying about those about you know yeah. certain big games people not, they don't quite hit their hit the straps in those games and then maybe you're right about that there were worse players than him in that England Island game sure. maybe for oh, England in yeah. fairness you know, I think he still put a shift in yeah well, you know, I think I, I would go back. You know, there's obviously going to be injuries along the way, aren't there? I mean, Alan Wynne Jones at the moment, you know, is, is is racing against time to get back, maybe five six weeks away, and there'll be the back five is an area where there's always Alex, there's always injuries, so there'll be a lot of players on standby. Now you would imagine in Launchbury be very high up there in caps off, off the rank waiting to yeah. come out. Yeah, and Conor Murray is another one who's. On How bad the edge. is he then? How bad is Conor Murray? Yeah, well, to be honest, we didn't really know until Warren told us today because Munster had been quite tight-lipped about his situation there was talk that he had a chance of playing this week in the Champions Cup semi-final at the start of the week they said it doesn't look likely but now it looks like he had a setback a couple of weeks ago and it, unless he gets a game in before the tour he mightn't even go which is that's a, a big major, blow major isn't it because he's a real it? great chance of starting in, mm. in that first test on June 24th I think yeah. it would probably be most people starting in nine for that first test as, as we stand. Um, Not least because of Johnny Sexton and the relationship yeah, yeah. That the two of them enjoy. I mean, Reese Webb will Webb's played very well. No one down, will he, if he no, comes Webb, in? But Reb, and he's done really well to come back from his injury, and I, th- I think he was pushing um, Murray hard, a fit Murray hard. If Murray's not fit, 
Well, we're going to have to make some serious decisions pretty soon. Yeah. It's interesting that Alex is saying that Johnny's going to get in ahead of Owen Farrell for the 10. Well, I, mean, I, I think there is that sense. And we, again, we go back to Ireland, England, don't we? We go back to, to, to those who really stood up on that day when they were told, if you want to be considered, you've got to stand up on that day. And Sexton, you know, he's a remarkable player, isn't he? But whatever people think about his various idiosyncrasies, whatever, he's as hard as nails. He never... He never shirks a challenge, and he always wants to be the centre of attention. Yeah. And it's a bit like what, with what Eddie Jones has done in a coaching capacity with England in terms of dragging them out of their World Cup misery through his sheer force of personality. Sometimes I watch Ireland play, and I think, my God, Sexton is making this team believe just by what he's yeah. bringing to the party at halfback. Rob Howley said today, didn't he, I think, that um, he saw Farrell as a 10, but you wouldn't rule out the possibility of a, a 10 Sexton Farrell 12 for those tests, no, would you? No, not at all. Because they're both quality players, and if you want to get all your best players on the pitch, they'd be two of my best players. And also, you wouldn't be worried about people running down the 10-12 channel with those two defending there. You know, there's a, there's a lot to recommend that. But as, as you said at the outset, Matt, it's a very attritional turf. There are going to be injuries. You know, you would be a very brave man to put any money on the 15 best players at this stage starting the first test because these tours don't work like that. I think there was nine who nine players injured on the last test on the last tour. On sorry, last and if there's a game every few days on this one, yeah. it's there's no way. There's and there are no be, gimme games on this. Yeah, on this tour. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, we'll come on to the Irish then, Mick. Um, Jared Payne, when his name was announced, my eyebrows were certainly raised. Yeah. I didn't see that one coming. What's yeah. he going to bring? Yeah, yeah. I think defensively he's sound and in attack he's sound. You can play him a fullback, and he's great at seeing space. Runs great lines, and defensively he's worked brilliantly with Robbie Henshaw in the centre, and he's brought Henshaw along to, be, to become the player, the test player he is, and. You know, he's a real favourite of Joe Schmidt's and I, I think it's no coincidence that we've got some of our biggest results when he's been on the pitch. Mm. The All Blacks game in Soldier Field in November especially and the England game, he was bad. that was the only game he started in the Six Nations. It's no coincidence that we won those games, I think, and um, lost some big games that he wasn't playing in, like the Argentina World Cup quarter-final. Um, so I, I think it's a great selection. I know he wasn't flagged up at all and even back home he wasn't being flagged up, but once he's fit I think and you know he understands New, New Zealand psyche he's born and bred in New Zealand so mm. yeah great pick I think one of the one of the biggest sort of debates and you get the impression having spoken to the coaches today that one of the main positions that they were debating about for a while was hooker um, my closest look at Rory Best came in Cardiff when they played Wales and he had an off day to be polite and I thought maybe that would count against him because I thought Ken Owens his form meant that he had to be selected I thought Dylan Hartley would probably get in there because of that edge that he can bring. And then it was a toss-up then between Jamie George and Rory Best. However, as we know, Hartley isn't there. Rory Best is in. Will he f feel like, maybe having been on the tour last time as well, that he might have something to prove going out there? Well, I think if you, if you rewound to November, he was exceptional as a captain. And a lot of people were talking then that he, was, he had a possibility to be the captain on this tour. Yeah. And yeah, it has gone downhill over the last few months for him, certainly. And there have been times in, in pressure situations that his throwing has gone awry, and that happened in Lions Tour before mm. as well. Um, I do think he deserves this chance because he, he's, like I say, he's exceptional leadership qualities. Whether he'll get in the test team, it's hard to say. But yeah. I mean, the fact that Dylan Hartley, the third England captain in a row, not to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, 
I, I, it, I think it's obvious to read between the lines that Warren just doesn't rate him as highly as well, other people do. Listen, the, the Jamie George selection is really interesting because Gatland has clearly looked at England across the Six Nations and thought, your starters are okay, your finishes are exceptional. Mm. And down in New Zealand, if the Lions aren't firing in the last 20 minutes of games, they're going to lose them. No, as uh, Wales found out. As Wales year. found out, you know, time and again. Yeah. And, and so I think Gatlin has said to himself, well, listen, if we can pick some of these finishes, as Jones likes to call his replacements, and if they can have the same sort of impact for the Lions, be it the midweek team, the test team, or whatever, as they have been having for England, or even half as much as good an impact, then it's got to be worth doing. Now, he's picked Jamie George, who's he's got 18 caps, and he's yet to start a test match. He's picked Carl Sinclair, uh, likewise, no, no great experience. He's got Macho Vanopolo, who's been coming off the bench. He's got Ben Teo, who's been used as... Uh, as, as impact um, in, in the sort of Jamie Roberts mould coming out on the last 20. He's brought all these players in because of what they've done in the last 20 minutes for England. So he, he's looked at people like Hartley and he's, and he's saying, well, you know, I can kind of take or leave them because what Hartley is bringing isn't that much better from what the other starters are bringing across the Six Nations. But what the finishers are bringing, so I hate using the word, <laughs> just to quote the, the, the Jones' terminology, is very significant. Yeah. And, I, and I think he's... he's, he's pinning a lot of hopes on that working as a template. Okay. Time, time and again, Mick, we've seen, in Wales anyway, they look so promising for so so long against Southern Hemisphere sides and let it slip in the final sort of 15, 20 minutes. And sometimes that can point towards the mentality and the mental aspect of beating these teams. Ireland, of course, the last side to do it out of, out of obviously, the British and Irish sides. Mm. How important is that aspect going to be? It's been brought up a few times today and they've got quite a large contingent, as we've mentioned. That, that's got to carry some weight, surely. Yeah, it's huge. Warren said it to us inside just, just now and it, it's, a, it's a big thing that it happened coming into this tour because it's been a long time since it's England. Was it 2012, five, five years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so it's to have that reference point. As he said, he said himself, you know, players' eyes can possibly glaze over when you talk about play, beating the All Blacks. It happens so rarely that to have that reference point, and especially, you know, the All Blacks looked like they were going to win that game again, just as they did it in Dublin a few years earlier when Ireland had the beatings of them. And for Ireland to come back and, and snatch it again at the end showed that, you know, the, the mentality is there in a the Northern Hemisphere player. It's just about bringing it out. Mm. Hopefully, we'll see that. Indeed. Okay, I'm going to just break off for uh, for a minute here. Um, earlier on, I spoke to I spoke to our colleague uh, Gordon Parks of the Daily Record up in Scotland, and here's how our chat went. So, hi, Gordon. Thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast uh, this afternoon. Um, obviously, we we're down here in London. So, just explain uh, what the sort of reaction to the the two Scottish players being involved uh, in the Lions squad has been up in Scotland. Well, I think, I think we were kind of uh, expecting the worst. I think there was a kind of feeling that uh, Space Spot was starting the Six Nations really well. And uh, there was well the expectations. I think we were talking maybe about a dozen, maybe more uh, potential lines within the Scotland squad. And it just hasn't materialised. I think one of the pivotal moments was the humiliation that we suffered at Twickenham against England. That was a definitive moment for a lot of players. Boys like Finn, Finn Russell, Amy Watson, the Grey Brothers. I think that was a kind of graveyard for their hopes. And I just think that, uh, you know, Stuart Hogg was everybody's banker. We knew that he was a shoe-in. Tommy Sue, we're delighted for him because he deserves it. He's been a, a standing performer for club and country um, for a couple of seasons now and definitely merited. I just think that there's been 
general feeling here was that, like you mentioned, the, the game at Twickenham is what, what sort of did for a lot of chances of Scottish players. Um, but I was up at Murrayfield for Scotland's win over Wales, and having as we were leaving Murrayfield that day, we had the sense that a few Scottish players had a real chance. I think, would you agree that Finn Russell is maybe one of those, and maybe Hamish Watson is another, who, who can particularly feel aggrieved at missing out on selection? I think it's an excellent point that you make. I think one of the discussion points was the fact that man for man, Scotland were dominant against Wales. They really, I mean, you're talking about a Wales side that scored the fewest tries. Uh, Gatlin's made a point of talking about how he was watching how players perform away from home, and Wales haven't done that. They have the only mm. home, home nation that didn't do do well in the road. Um, and I think, you know, so many Scottish players put their hand up in that specific game, and I think they showed that they were, they were more than a match for their, for their counterpart, and they'll look today and see their name not on the list and a host. A host of Welsh, I mean, 12, 12 players for the Welsh uh, contingent is an enormous amount given the fact that they underachieved so badly. Mm. Uh, just your views on the squad then. What was your general reaction as those names were read out this afternoon? It's a big squad. Well, I think, uh, given the fact it was a big squad, I think that caught a lot of people in the, in the hot for expecting a squad of around the 37 mark. Mm. I think uh, Gatlin used a wee bit of room to manoeuvre there to try and appease certain people. You've got to remember it's a highly competitive group, it's a world class uh, accumulation of players. And, you know, you tend for the disappointment for Scottish players in the fact that there's so many pedigree individuals here, and I don't think, uh, I think in the cold light of day, when you put man for man, and with most of the selections, I think, uh, I think he's got it right ish. Mm. So what do you make of the Lions' chances uh, in New Zealand? We, we've been talking today, I mean, it's it's a very, very tough schedule that they face. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think this is a Lions squad which is stronger. I think the aura that the All Blacks had is now diminished. And I think like the Ireland's result uh, and uh, is was, was a real kind of uh, definitive moment for the All Blacks. All, I mean, it's all, all, all Blacks will know what they're going to confront. Uh, there'll be a bit of fear in their camp, which maybe wouldn't have existed before the Ireland result. I think when you're talking about throwing together guys of that kind of calibre, I think, I certainly fancy the Lions to do well, I certainly fancy the Lions to triumph. Mm. So, what we've discussed how Scotland might, may feel about certain selections. When it comes to the captaincy, do you think that Sam Warbden was was the right choice in the end? Yeah, Sam, for me, is given massive respect, he's done it before. Uh, Gatland has a relationship with him, which is second to none. And I think it's all about trust. I think Gatland's shown with the selection that he's, that he's made, that he's gone to the people that he believes that have been over the course before. I have that trust, and it's massively away for that. I mean, it's a five-week spell. You need to get the chemistry right. And I think Sam's somebody that can galvanise that, and he knows that, and I think it's a no-brainer. I think, again, when you're looking at what he potentially might be looking to do, Sam's a banker for that as well. I just think, you know... You, you look at the squad and you take a step back and you look at what he could possibly could have done. There's not been massive shocks. It just hasn't maybe opened the door to people that made it a case that didn't have that 
Yeah, or somebody can represent players. And I think that when push comes to shove, it's been a, it's, it's been a factor, and a big one. Mm. Well, one of the players who has been on the, on a Lions tour before is Stuart Hogg. Is he? Um, does he have a real chance of making the Test squad? Well, I think Stuart's proven himself. I mean, if going your second second tour and going to be twenty four years of age is a phenomenal achievement. Mm. I think he's matured as a person. His defensive games come on, and I think that was key. I think Gatlin warned him that that would be something that he'd be looking at. Stuart's worked very hard. He's spoken about the fact that he's buckled down and got that side of his game right, but he's. He's a running threat. I think there's, there's no debate when he gets the ball in the hand than Stuart. And he knows now that his goal has to be to start tests. And I think Gatland, having been over to Murrayfield and watched him, he really has gone in stature. And if you look at the backs and offer, Stuart stand, stands out as the supreme attacking weapon. You mm. know, and I think he's added a bit of uh, maverick ability to his game. Exciting player to watch. I think he will now take that extra step. This is this is the tour that Stuart Hogg will announce himself as the number one attacking world back. Mm. Just um, just talk to me a bit about Tommy Seymour because when I think of when I think of him, I think about a performance he put in in Cardiff a few Six Nations ago, where he absolutely dominated players in the air. It was a real standout performance for me that day. And now every time I so I think of Tommy Seymour, I just think of him being very good under the high ball. But yeah. surely there is more to his game than that. Well, there is. I mean, I think you rightly say it was a game that I was at, Matt, and uh, the way that he handles the pressure, I remember the environment that they got up against it, yeah. and he showed a mental strength. And I think, again, when you go on a tour for that length of time, you've got to have the psychological ability to cope with what will be an enormous occasion, an enormous uh, challenge for him. But I think, again, he stepped on, his game's raised a level. He's got good running. Power. He, as you say, he gathers a high ball better than the most, and I think that's probably the reason why that he's got the nod ahead of someone like Sean Maitland. Mm. I think he's someone who physically is robust. He has, he's a dynamic uh, runner. You know, he's, he's, he's going to be a threat. He's going to be a threat. So potentially for a line side that need people who are going to be not mentally fragile, have got the endurance to go through the tests and rise to the challenge and I think Gallon's given him a chance I think you know he's been sneaked in the back door a touch but I think he still merits it Okay listen Gorn I really appreciate uh, you coming on the phone with us today and uh, thanks a lot for giving us your views Pleasure, Matt. Okay, so I'm um, just briefly touching on on the Scots. They had a, I think it was their best Six Nations in eleven years, was it? They won three of the five and they've games. Got you know, two two players in the side. Have they got have they got reason to feel aggrieved at this? They'll be seeking independence from the Lions at this rate. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's hard, isn't it? You know, I mean, there was even talk about one at one stage. They got at least they got a hundred percent increase, haven't they? They've gone up to two with Seymour there. I mean, you look at the players who've been unlucky to miss out. Um, I think both Grey brothers, you know, have had, have had good campaigns, but again, second row is such hugely competitive. I thought Hamish Watson was one of the best back row forwards in the Six Nations game of Wales, a torrid time. Mm. But look at the back row, who's going to miss out there? So it's tricky. So if you look at the one player who would almost certainly I think have gone is WP Nell, but he's injured, so he misses out. Finn Russell is a case for it because you know he's played some lovely rugby for Glasgow and Scotland, but just you wonder 
physically is he a captain type player we've talked about that the turn thing and occasions maybe a little bit flaky in pressure situations this season and we talked about those big Glasgow and Scotland games so you go through it and you can you can understand why it's ended up like it has but it must be galling you know to have beaten Wales you know to have beaten Ireland to have beaten France as well and two players put it this way if the, we'd won three games in Wales and we had two players, we'd be doing uh, <laughs> effigies of the Lions coach in Wales on there, Matthew. Let me tell you that now. Um, bearing that in mind then, were you surprised to see 12 Welshmen in the squad? Well, it had been, the whisper had been growing over the last 48 hours that that's roughly how many we were going to get. When we've sat down numerous times and we've gone through the contenders, the, the likely, and I think when we've always done it, we've always come to about 8, 9, 10, that kind of area, between 8 and 10. So to get 12, you know, is for Welsh rugby a real bonus? I'm particularly pleased for Ross Moriarty. I think, you know, he could be one of the players who could really make an impact of that. I'll never forget, you know, one of the first tours I really, really covered when I was a young journalist was the 88 um, Wales Tour of New Zealand, and he was the, his father. Paul, right, was the one man who really stood up on that tour. It's in the blood, you know. He's, he's got, a hard man. He's a hard man. Gatlin would like the edge he brings. Yeah. He can sometimes step over the mark, although there's not been so much instance of that over the last 18 months. He's cleaned up his up quite a large degree. And he's such a dynamic player. And if you're going to play against the All Blacks and take them on with the dynamism and the physicality that they bring, well, he's just the man. I think he could have a major tour. I think generally you look through, there's a couple of players on there you'd say perhaps... You know what they've done with Gatlin for Wales and the Lions before you touched it. You know, Lee Halfpenny yeah, probably yeah, hasn't. Yeah, you know, sure. the great, you know, one thing with Lee, you know, he may not be with the most exhilarating attacking player through his career, but he, he seldom makes mistakes. This season we've seen a couple of mistakes creep into his game, kicking on his, on his work into the high ball. Jonathan Davis, better in the Six Nations, but you know, not at the form he was in the last Lions tour. So he has gone with a tried and tested to a certain degree, and he knows players, and of course he's only going to have a week, ten days to sort it, his, his game plan out. So if you've got that situation, you go with what you know. I think that's true, and that is the point. You know, they're landing on Wednesday, they've got the first game on a Saturday. It's a suicidal uh, tour schedule. I don't know who agreed to it. I don't know why they agreed to it. Um, because if you're being completely honest about it and, and putting all your optimism to one side, you don't really give them a snow snowball's chance in hell down there because of this schedule. There's no soft game to come into. There's no game where they can just rest a few players and have an easy one. They're going to have to be full ball in every game and avoid injuries and then hope they get to the a test series where they're playing at Eden Park where the All Blacks last lost in 1994. I mean, for goodness sake. <laughs> on, on top of that, you're right about the start and especially because the Pro 12 final and the Premiership final are on the previous weekend. Yes, so right. obviously the plan would be not to play any of those players if possible. So Welsh, Welsh lads, Welsh, will, Welsh will will play. Will be fine, yeah, <laughs> play the Welsh team. Yeah. <laughs> nice and fresh. Um, I just wondered, sorry, were you surprised to see Dan Bigger's name read out today? Not when you think that we had to see who was going to be in his place. All week it seemed to be that Ford wasn't going. We talked about Russell. The one thing you would say about Dan, right? He has his limitations attacking-wise, but he is a fighter, right? And in New Zealand, you will need people who will be prepared to turn up in those horrible midweek games when you've got an entire province waiting to rip your head off. And you'll need people who will be prepared to stand up and fight, and he will do that. And he's right what Gatlin said today, by the way. Dan Bigger will go on that plane, believe he's going to be the Lions' test number 10. Don't you worry about it. You know, he's not short of a word never short of a word in the rugby field, believes hugely in his game, and he's had a lot of flag, a lot of criticism, but he keeps on coming back. He's had a bit of Neil Jenkins about him like that, you know? And we know what Neil Jenkins did in the Lions Tour in 97. 
So yeah, Dan Bigger will be a, a good, good tourist. I still think, I still think we'll end up at section 10, Farrell 12, but we shall see. Mick, I just wonder, from, from an outside perspective, uh, from outside of Wales, were you surprised to see such a large contingent of Welsh players? No, not at all. No, no. Uh, does, that, does that come down to Gatlin's relationship with yeah, what he knows? Yeah, but I think I think that's a good point that he does have that relationship, and we're good. He's going to need it in in adversity. In adversity, and uh, again, with such a, such a tight schedule, it's hard to see. Yeah, and it's hard to argue with any of those players. And I'm glad you brought up Moriarty because he, for me, he's the standout. That you know, he could have a huge tour. Yeah. Yeah. You imagine, a, you a, imagine a back row like Stanga, Moriarty, and Warburton. I mean, that's as athletic as like Falatau and Funapola. You know, mm. there's some mm. good back row forwards. And there's Johnny O'Brien. O'Brien, remember what he did in the last tour? You know, he, he's, mm. he can play six, seven, or eight, of course, can't he? You know, vibrancy and athleticism in the second row as well. You know, I, we probably will get stuff 3 0, but I tell you what, it could be a lot worse groups of players I've seen sure. on Lions tours than this. This is not a bad quality squad. No, it's not, but. On a large tour, as in any sort of campaign, so much of it is about momentum, you know. And we, we've already talked about the fact they arrive on Wednesday, play on Saturday. They they can't afford to to start slowly on this tour. They can't afford to lose that. I mean, that first game, they've got to win it. Mm. You know, I mean that that is their one you know big chance. If they don't start get the ball rolling early on, what's the th- second game on the tour? That's a bit of a I'm looking for the easy one after that. <laughs> let's just go through it then. They've got obviously the New Zealand Barbarians on June the 3rd, then they've got the Blues four days later, they've got the Crusaders three days later, they've got the Highlanders three days later, and they've got the Maoris uh, four days after that. Mm. They've got the Chiefs three days after that, and then four days after that is the first test against New Zealand. Then there's three days, and there's a, a game against the Hurricanes. Then the second test. Oh, they got a week later. off before the second and third test. What are you complaining it, about? It'll be fine. Is there going to be anyone left standing <laughs> after that? I mean, well, you know, it, it, the risk of going over for overall ground. You know, that is such a punishing schedule that they that they need to to win. They need to get a bit of momentum going because yeah. if they don't, even if they've got the full strength team out, the, the tours in New Zealand go away from you so quickly. You know, if you, unless you get a foothold in the tour and you put a little bit of doubt into the minds of the New Zealand public, never mind the, the New Zealand players, because it's it, it, it isn't just about the 15 players on the pitch. It's when, when you play rugby in New Zealand, it is the whole nation that's against you. I mean, you'll back me up on this. It's, yeah, it is. It's fierce. It's intimidating. They're not particularly hospitable in terms of their rugby. They 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 consider it. If you, whether they're working in the shop or in the petrol station or wherever they are, they consider it part of their civic duty to get <laughs> under the lines. It, it's like roof. nowhere else on, on earth. And it was interesting to hear today Gatlin talking about he feels there's clearly a need to try and build some bridges after 2005. Yeah. Obviously, it was a difficult tour you know, in terms of relations because of what happened to Brian O'Driscoll. It soured the whole tour, really, didn't mm. it? You had Alistair Campbell in yeah. charge. It was, it was an odd old affair. And I think he, he, he emphasised when we were talking to him today about the need to w- go to schools, hospitals, build, build, build bridges uh, socially, even talk to them, you know, need to go and watch some New Zealand films, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and try and understand the culture. And I suppose if anybody is going to understand how much... Alliance tours in New Zealand matters. It's a guy who played for Waikato when they beat the Lions, yeah. you know, so he understands it. And this for him is what his entire time in Northern Hemisphere coaching has been building up to. Let's be honest, isn't it? Mm. You know, the one job he hasn't done so far, really, 
based in England, but in terms of top, you know, in world rugby, he hasn't done the Lions, you know, the, the All Blacks job. This, if, if he was to go there and pull off a win, well, well, it would be extraordinary. He's a brave man. That's what I would say. <laughs> but, but I would say there's an alternative view to look looking at that schedule, and you think of all the club and provincial diehards, the fans going, oh, please don't pick all of our players because you know they're going to come back and it's going to take them a few months to get back. It is, but the flip side of that them. is you get paid. Yes. Every, player grow, every player who goes on the Lions to his club gets paid and it's not a little bit amount True. of money either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mick, the, Sam Wolbin was announced as captain today. Um, in the last few weeks, he, he sort of led the... He came out of nowhere. Uh, uh, you know, this time last year, it was Dylan Hartley who was nailed on, for example. And then in the last few weeks, Wolbner has come along, he's been the front-runner, he got injured and he was still the front-runner for the captaincy, he was announced today. Do you think he's the right man to lead this tour or would you have gone maybe somewhere else? I think it's a little bit uninspiring, personally. Simon probably disagrees, but Mm. yeah, but then you look down through the list and you kind of go, who else? He's probably a safe pair of hands and and given his communication with, with Warren must be watertight. You can see why he went there, you know. Um, it's a little bit, yeah. And maybe I would have liked to seen something different. But yeah. I think if you're going different, if you're going different, you could have gone Rory Best, hugely experienced and a great job with Ireland since he's taken over. If there was a wild card, it would have been Owen Farrell for me. I think Warby will do a great job. Don't get me wrong. I think he'll be a fantastic captain. We heard all day today what what he'll do, and he know what he'll do. Great ambassador mm. off the field, great player on it. Could Farrell have done the job? Uh, well, he could have done. I think Warburton is 100% the right choice. I think he brings a lightness of touch to what he does off the field and a real hardness of tackle and physicality when he's on the field. I think he's a perfect blend. You know, we've we've had the debate in England all year long, last two years, about Owen Farrell. You know, he is seen as the heir apparent to mm. the to the Hartley th- to Hartley throne um, in the England team. And yet, the flip side to it all is, well, why make him captain? He's already the leader of the team. He's already the goal kicker. He already makes all the decisions, all the tackles, sets up the defence. Why give him the armband? I mean, who needs it? Farrell doesn't need it. The last thing Farrell wants to do is to, is to spend a, a single second longer than he has to in front of the press, apart from anything else. So, listen, I, I, I think looking at through this list, if you're not going to give it to Alan Wynne Jones, um, and there is a sizable question mark about his fitness, so I can understand that, then I think Warburton is a no brainer. and. Gatlin made the point just now, didn't he, when we were talking to him about the, the fact that in Warburton he's got a player who accepts that he might not even make the test team and, and, and he said, I'll have no problem picking another player over him if I need to because we have that understanding. That's very true and if you look at what Gatlin talked about, he talked about a couple of the key things. One was the relationship with referees, he puts huge store not in the way that Sam speaks to people and is able to build rapport with them. He also likes the fact that he just sees him as a really decent human being, yeah. a good person, good attitudes, and as you say, would accept it if you said, Sam, you're my Lions Tour captain, but for this test, I think I'm going to do something else. He'd accept it. Mm. The other interesting thing was what Sam himself said, was that he feels much more relaxed this time yeah. around. Yeah. It's, and he was, he was saying himself, he posed the question, people may be wondering how I wasn't Wales captain, and yet I'm Lions captain. Well, it's pretty simplistic. And in his mind, going into the Six Nations, he didn't believe he was in the best form in the autumn, and that really sort of made him feel comfortable doing the Wales job. Decision was made that Alan Wynne Jones would take it over. Now, having had that removed from him, he's regained his mojo playing some of the best rugby right back to his best again and he now feels comfortable for doing it. You can see there's a relaxed nature to him. He's relieved that his knee problem isn't going to be that much of an issue. He's going to be ready mid to late May. 
he's right up for it, and uh, I think he'll do a fine job as captain. Okay, you won me over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, chaps, just one more thing before we go. Um, I suppose we should talk about the Lions' chances in the Test series down there. Mick, I'll come with you yeah. first. Yeah. <sighs> I'd love to say yes, we're going to do it, but I can't see it. Can't no. see it. One test, maybe, <laughs> but has to be the first test as usual. Yeah, go for it. See what happens. But no, I think three 0 Alex, I think if you're putting a bet, then three 0 is a likely thing. I think the the best chance they will probably have will be in the second test. Don't see them winning the first. Um, I think they possibly could win the second test. I wonder what Mr. Gatton thinks. Um, he just walked past. <laughs> Uh, and if they do, and were they to win that, then obviously they would then take the momentum with them back to Auckland for the third test. I think that's their that's their big chance. But listen, with the best will in the world, and nobody wants the Lions to be successful more than those of us who have been on the on the tours in the past. But you, you can't see it going any other way than an All Blacks win. Simon, bear in mind, Mr. Gatland's about to walk past again. <laughs> I don't know. I have to think very carefully about this answer now, won't I? Um, I think if. Come on, you delay. <laughs> Ireland were going to New Zealand. I'd back them to win one test of a three-test series in New Zealand. Ireland have beaten um, the All Blacks in, Chica- in America in Chicago. England, we've seen what they've done over the last year. The difficulty is that you're starting from scratch. Well, yes, there's players he knows in that squad, but it's so hard gelling it together, and that's what will make it so difficult. I don't think it's impossible to win a series, a test. I think the series is asking too much. It's not impossible. But again, if, if you're a bookie, you'd go 3-0. You'd go 3-0 to the All Blacks. But I do think there is quality enough in this squad to be very competitive with them. Ireland showed in the autumn. Wales actually showed for two tests last summer. And especially you look about that Ireland game in Chicago, when the All Blacks were missing perhaps a couple of the key forwards. Ireland just really got in amongst them. So the template is there. And we should also say that more often than not, when we have this conversation before Lions tour, we say 3-0 to the opposition because of the fact that logistically it's stacked against yeah. the Lions. Mm. I remember South Africa in 97, everyone said 3 nils in South Africa. Everyone. And the Lions won it. Mm. Well, I think that's a great note to end it on. And let's be positive and finish it there then. Um, Mick, Alex, Simon, my thanks to you guys. Thank and you, uh, Thanks to you guys Good for luck. listening at home. Um, and I guess now it's time for you lot to get excited because uh, before we know it, the Lions tour will be here. <laughs>